your girl Nina Montañez. Hey yo, what to it do? It's your boy Rue, and I'm coming for you. <laughs> and this is Sofrito Speaks. Hey, welcome back, welcome back. Everybody. Buenos dias, damas y caballeros. Oh my God, we're still on this. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Sofrito Speaks. This is a season four, episode number one. We're back, bitches. We is back. We is back. We was yes. gone for a minute. Now we back in the building. What we I- have a cute jam-packed episode. We will be interviewing the interim. <laughs> interim. You got it. Interim. Yeah. Mayor of Lawrence, Massachusetts. Yes. Kendris Vasquez. Mm-hmm. So make sure you guys tune into the Caldero Talk where we get all spicy and juicy about local politics or whatever. He's talking shit. It's not that spicy. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> let's like move mild. forward and get into our first section, which is El Chisme. And this is the part of the show where we let y'all know what had us fucked up, what had us whole deal, what had us good, bad, everything in between. Y'all already know. Nina, start us off, sis. You already know the drill, yo. All right, so Ruben put me on to this little-ass job or whatever. Oh, now we giving names. <laughs> oh. can't stand you. Shit. So whatever. Um, well, I did put her onto the job, but I, I wasn't expecting what they were going to do to her next. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Nina going to get in here. We're going to be lit. We're going to do Sofrito Speaks from my office. It's <laughs> official. We're good. <laughs> but anyways, um... Drink your water, mi gente. Stay hydrated. Right. Um, so I applied for this job or whatever, and I was like, okay, those of you, again, those of you who are just tuning in, those of you who probably didn't listen to the past episodes, I had quit my job back in uh, at the end of December. Um, it just wasn't for me. So, you know, I've been chilling, making it work or whatever. I had that luxury right now, but I mean, at some point I got to get back on my shit. But anyways, I digress. So I applied for the job on like a Thursday and that like within 20 minutes of me sending my resume, um, they were like, oh, fill out this application. So I filled the application within like 10 minutes of the application. I got an email saying like, oh, you know, are you available for an interview Friday? And I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. Like I could do that. Then the interview, the interview went great. I thought my responses to things were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Went out, went off without a hitch. And they wanted to offer me the job. Okay, cool. They were like, you know, so I'm asking questions like, oh, what are the wages? What are the benefits? What are the hours? They could not give me an answer to any of that. So I was like, oh, okay. They were like, oh, HR is going to give you all that information. And I was like, yeah, but like as a manager, you don't just have general right. knowledge of that information. Like that doesn't. It was the same with me when I was getting hired because they were like at one point like saying it might be 16. And I was like, 16. This is a full blown million dollar hospital. 16. Right. Okay. So um, I was like, all right, cool. So I get a call and she's like, oh, we can give you 1750. Understand me, gente. If you break down the salaries that I've had in my past, I'm making 22, 23 dollars an hour. So I have not made, unless it's a part-time job, I'm doing part-time shit, then I will work less. I will work for 17 or less because it's a part-time job. Um, But my full-time job, no, 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 baby. That needs to be 20 plus. Like, I can't. Um, And so she hit me with that, and I was like, oh, that's interesting given, you know, the job description, the pay doesn't match the job description. Given that my cousin who's a dropout is making... Yo, you're annoying. <laughs> it, nah, I didn't even like that. 
Um, but I had all this administrative experience or whatever, but I've never had to in depth be so specific on my resume. Like normally it's well, cause I've always been in like school districts. So it's just like, they're just reading like the basics of what it is that I would need to mm-hmm. be in. This job was like, no, we need like every period, every comma, every exclamation point. We need it all. They todo. I'm like, yo, I sent this shit four different times. And then on the fifth time, Ruben was like, mama's. Run that resume. Run me that resume. (laughs) So he vamped it. It was cute or whatever. So they were like, yeah, we could do 1750. And I was like, okay, again, given the job description, the pay is not matching what's expected of me. Most people probably don't say that when they're negotiating, you definitely but that's have a to fact. negotiate your price. So, uh, mind you, and I was only asking for 18, I was asking for 50 cents more. And I was like, okay, like if I'm not gonna get 20, you know, at least I can do 18, whatever, and still make, make it work. And because um, it's not gonna be salary, it would be hourly. So that means I'm gonna get paid for my time, mm. not like uh, nothing more, nothing mm-hmm. less type shit. Clock in, clock out. Right. So. They weren't trying to. She was like, you know, I can, I can maybe do seventeen eighty three, ma'am. Thirty three motherfucking cents, dead ass. You Get couldn't. You rich. Like, are you dead ass right now? Like, that's that's so like disrespectful. Like, what the fuck? So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna need like a day to mull it over because you know how bad do I need, really need a job? And I realized I actually was anxious about having to go back to work full-time and i remember ruben talking about him going back into a full-time job when uh, this job that he's at now that he now he has some time in he felt the same way he was like i don't know if i could do this you know the honeymoon phase is mm. over like ja, and i'm just like i, I don't want to keep going back into things that like don't bring me any fulfillment like i don't like i'm cool with my part-time job because it's so lenient and it's like really chill people are chill my coworkers are chill like the, it doesn't require much of me and that's what i want right now i want a job that's not going to require like mm. crazy brain power because i was so used to being on high stress levels because i was worrying about other people i had you know sometimes staff up to 12 15 on top of x amount of kids um and having all this weight on my shoulders that i enjoy the luxury of not again using that much brain power and that's what i want to do right now so you know the, i declined the job which is fine it's probably meant for somebody else that you know that can probably do something with it um you know it would be yeah those of you listening are probably like sis you should have just taken the job like you ain't doing shit but right i think now. that mentality right there is just so that's how you settling get stuck. and comfort. That's how, yeah, like, that's yeah, how you like, get stuck. I don't want to You say, do that. oh, yeah, I'm going to just take this job and then I'll do six months. And then, I mean, there are people who do live by those plans. But, I mean, you'd have to be really dedicated and have a specific vision in order to really be about that. Like, I'm doing six months and then I'm finding something else. Yeah. Um, and I think you do have to negotiate your pay. Every job that I ever go to, I look on Glassdoor.com, I think is what it's yeah. called. And... Like, I look up the title and I look up what other, you know, companies are paying for that title in the same state. And that's how I know how much to ask. And I go in there and I always ask for a dollar more than what I know they're going to offer. Mm-hmm. And I see what they say. And if they say, like, oh, you know, if they try to ball it down to $2 less, I'm like, okay, well, I can do $18. You know, in your case, I want $19. Oh, we can do 17 Okay, then I can do $18. Okay, we'll, we'll think about that. And usually they're just like, no. 
Yeah. But I guess my uh, my manager explained it to me. Like, there's like a whole system. It's so weird. They have to enter your resume, and through the vocabulary that's used in your resume, it like determines how much you're gonna get paid. And I was like, I have never heard of some shit like that. Right, like my experience speaks for itself. So I was like, because I kept telling her, I was like, well, she has higher experience. I'm like, if anything, she's overqualified for this position because you've never been just a secretary. You've yeah. always been at a higher position. And she's like, yeah, but it's just because the the way that her resume is worded, that that's why they're going off of what they're going off of. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I lied my whole resume. I always lie my whole resume. I always go get the manager description and then put it as the employee. Yes, oh <laughs> because, bitch, I'm trying to get this money. <laughs> Which, th- again, things I've never had to do. Like, I'm just straightforward, like, bullet points. This is, you know, the job title. This was the amount of time I was there. Boom, 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 boom. This is what I did. But that was what I was always told in terms of making resumes. But, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I said no to the job, so that's all that that is. It just had me fucked up that they was like, oh, you know, we can give you seventeen fifty, And I was like, mm-hmm, that's cute. And they were like, okay, what about seventeen eighty three? I'm like, oh, 33 cents? You have me fucked up. Anyways, what had you fucked up? What has me fucked up, honestly, is the process of growth. Like, mm-hmm. that shit is just some other shit. Honestly, I, I feel like, you know... One thing that I've noticed for people is that they'll they'll feel a certain type of way because you're acting a certain type of way now. And uh, it's because, you know, I've had to explain a couple times, you know, it's nothing negative and it's nothing new. But you need to uh, sometimes you got to remove yourself from your environment to really get a good hold on who you are and what it is that you're trying to do and the goal that you're trying to accomplish and with this weight loss journey i want this to be the final time that i have to fucking do this Mm. because lord fucking knows this shit is hort this shit is hort so you want to shed the weight but then maintain it after? yeah yeah i mean i want to continue with the fitness and everything but to shed the weight i mean this is a journey in itself and it's an emotional journey sometimes because it's like you know, I'm getting up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm doing all this shit. I got to work. I got to work out after I got a meal prep. I got to do. I don't have time to sometimes keep up with social settings and social friendships and stuff like that. So um, I think that whole process of growth just has me fucked up because it's like you want to move forward. But, you know, I'm always so remembering I don't have to move forward and block everybody out of my life. But I do have to move forward and limit the time that I spend with people because of my mental health, because of where I'm trying to take this, of where I'm trying to get to, um, you know. So that's why I started doing the little Instagram lives and stuff like, you know, to document a little bit more and also to connect with people who maybe haven't spoken to me in a while. And they're like, yo, you good, my G? Yeah, Yeah, I'm literally good. IG. (laughs) Anyways, let's move on to our next section, which is... Ay, bendito. Alrighty, welcome back to I Bendito. This is the part of the show where we talk about local media headlines or big headlines, and we do a little small dissect and discuss. You know what I'm saying? I want to start off with the motherfucking good news that was given to us. Lord knows, we will be getting a next stimulus check. Oh, oh. 
So if you make under 75000 a year, I believe, you will be getting a stimulus check of $1,400. Um, couples obviously make double, which is 2800 And for each additional dependent, you will make an additional $1,400. Um, this should be coming out in the next few weeks. By the end of this week, I think it officially will... Uh, actually, by Tuesday... So by the time this episode out, they'll make the announcement. What has to pass it? Or what's, what's it's already the next? passed the Senate. All right. They're just doing the final reviews, and by Tuesday, it'll be um, in the hands of what? What's his name? Biden. Who? Yes, Biden. <laughs> I kept wanting to say George W. Bush. I kept wanting. Bro, to say. all these old what white men look the same in? to me. Um. So yeah. So hopefully he'll pass it, and that's according to the Washington Post. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, speaking about money, shout out to Maria Munoz de Espinosa, who won four million, the $4 million prize in the state lottery, and she's out of Lawrence. Hey, turn up. She better come through with this, with this photo. I'll keep my comments to myself, but um, yeah, I just shout hate out that to that her. information's public. Like, I just want her to send us like a thousand. Like, it's cool. Like, you don't have to send much. I know a thousand is nothing to you now. You know what I'm saying? But Shut a up. thousand will help us out so much. What you got? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Nina's like, I literally have nothing. All right. Um, I have nothing. Nothing. If I. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next section. That was a small, short Abenito, but we have a very long and meaty yes, Caldero Talk, Caldero talk uh, with the mayor of Lawrence. So stay tuned. This next section is coming up. Before we get into all that, let's take a break. Caldero Talk. All right, everybody, welcome back to Sofrito Speaks. This is the part of the show where we're going to get into Caldero Talk. We have a very special guest here. We have the mayor of Lawrence, Gendris Vasquez. How are you? I am fantastic. <laughs> you know, thank you very much for the invitation. I, I think that this is a, a very good opportunity uh, for us to engage in a, a dialogue to talk about what's happening here in the city of Florence. Well, I mean, thank you for yeah. for even coming. I was like, you want to do what? You want to interview the mayor? Does he even have the time? <laughs> Guys, he had the time. We yeah, make so. our, we make the time. We make the time. Which is awesome. Yeah. So. It's important that, you know, for me, for me, uh, you know, interacting with our community, community residents to talk about what's going on in the city of Florence. Uh, this is a priority for me. Perfect. I think that it shows that you're committed to hearing our voices and you're committed to hearing other voices as well. We compiled a list of questions. Mm -hmm. We asked a couple people around, what would you like to hear from the mayor? And uh, that's how we got all of these things. So I want to first go into you just telling us how you got into politics and give us a little bit about your background, who you are, and why are you so interested in being the mayor? And how did you get that position? Definitely. So so I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. That's where I was oh, born. And I <laughs> arrived here at the age of 13, uh, not knowing any English, actually. Oh, wow. uh, so, you know, I, I started at Lawrence High School as a freshman. Perfect. Okay, uh, Lancer Pride. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm a Lancer. Yeah, very proud. And from there, uh, I joined a program called Accept the Challenge okay. that, I, you know, essentially allowed me to uh, learn English 
and from there obtain a full scholarship uh, to go to Merrimack College, where mm -hmm. I did political science and communication studies. Awesome. Okay. Um, after graduating Merrimack, I decided to come back here to the city of Lawrence, and um, I was 21 at the time. Uh, and at the age of 23, I felt that I had to get into uh, politics and, you know, essentially try to make some changes in the city. Um, so I, I ran for city council. I ran against two former councilors uh, that were, you know, well-known at the time. And myself, you know, mm -hmm. a, you know, known uh, with no money, just graduated college. And, uh, but I knocked on hundreds of doors and I talked to hundreds of people and they elected me because they saw something different. Work. And, you know, I'm just proud of that because I've, I've had the opportunity and the honor, the great pleasure of representing, you know, the people of Lawrence for the last uh, decade um, That's in, amazing. in local government. Good. And how did uh, so how did that transition happen from Dan, Re Dan Rivera, right? Yes. And then him bringing you as the new mayor. So according to the city charter, I, I served as the city council president prior to Mayor Rivera's departure. And according to our city charter, um, any time the mayor is absent. The you city, know the mayor's here because there's helicopters outside of our studio right now. He's kidding, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so when the, when anytime the mayor is absent, the city council president assumes the role of the mayor. Oh, so this is something that yeah. had previously happened, but only, you know, for a couple of days when he went on vacation or anything mm, of that okay. nature. Um, now his absence was going to be greater than, you know, just three or four days, a couple of days. Uh, so it became more, you know, talked about. Mm. Um, so the chatter says that I assume the office for up to 90 days. Uh -huh. uh, the city council presented a home rule petition. Essentially what this is, is a change in the law to the legislature, the state, legis the state reps and the state senators, uh, and then it has to be signed by the governor to allow us to be able to finish the term. Okay. So by the, our constitution, it says it is up to 90 days, but the council decided to change it to be able to allow me to f just finish the term. Uh, so essentially become mayor for 11 months. Okay, perfect. And do you plan on running again? Uh, so at this point, I am just focusing and doing the best I can for the city of Florence. I think that there's so much work that needs to be done. Right. And that's my priority today. As it should um, be. You know, I, I think that uh, mixing politics and government is, is very uh, challenging. Right. Um, I do have a, a young family and, you know, I, I need to be able to separate, uh, you know, campaigning versus work and versus family. It will it will be very challenging. Uh, it's not something that I am definitely not saying no to. But Correct. today, today, um, no, my focus is in being the best mayor the city of Florence has ever had. Oh, all right, yeah. there it is. I'll try. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Honestly, I'm trying. What are some of your major goals in the next eleven months while you're in office that you would like to see accomplished in Lawrence? Definitely. So, so as you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I took on this role in a very challenging time uh, not only for our city locally but you know nationally and globally um, so definitely providing all the necessary support to our um, local business owners to ensure that they will be successful because their success essentially translates to the success of the success of the city and you know I, I I think that it's important that I do this uh, simply because 
we wouldn't want, uh, you know, bodegas to be closing down mm -hmm. uh, because the folks that are working behind those counters, they could be your cousin or my cousin mm -hmm. or, you know, your good friend. Yeah. And if they, uh, if they don't have a job, then that translates to not being able to afford their rent, not being able to have food on their table, um, you know, not being able to support for their family. Absolutely. Uh, so I feel that in order for me to ensure that our community moves forward, at least for the next couple of months, I have to be responsible to our small business owners locally uh, to provide the best I can uh, to them. And we already started doing that. Um, you know, I can provide you with an example. Uh, my second day, second day in office, a, a business owner approached me and said, Kendris, I am having challenges in obtaining something called a DBA, mm -hmm. which is a business certificate that the city issues. Um, and in order for me to obtain and be able to apply for some state funding, um, I need this document. And I yeah. said, okay, so that's fantastic. Let's help you out. He's, you know, as we were going in, in the process, it was going to take us anywhere between six to eight weeks to get one piece of paper. Uh, so then I, I, I said, this is not acceptable because this guy needs this document by the end of the week. So we essentially changed the whole process to obtain this certificate from six to eight weeks to 24 hours. As so it should now, be. Oh, wow. All business owners in the city of Lawrence that need this document can do it remotely from a computer, print it at home, and they got it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that might sound not very significant, but let's look at the numbers and what this means. Folks that were applying for this, they could have received up to $50,000 in state support, in state grants, right? We were able to help and ensure that over 100 people submitted on time their application. Last time I checked, the city of Lawrence was guaranteed that $4.1 million was coming to business owners directly. Mm. If we had not made that change that first week, all those businesses were not going to get that support. Oh, wow. And this is not city money. This was money that was already available by the state yep. that we were not going to receive simply because we had so much uh, red tape involved uh, that wouldn't allow uh, that community to to participate in and that's what i'm about i'm about you know creating change creating change removing barriers that exist um you know i i i, I don't really like the bureaucracy uh, i think that it's important that we are as simple uh in everything that we do as a local government because the easier we do business, the easier it, it will be, not only for business owners, but for residents as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's one of the many things that we have been able to do already uh, locally uh, to ensure that we get rid of barriers that are unnecessary. And that's super dope because I think when we think about small businesses, those are the things that we don't see. Those are the, you know, you see a, a store thriving, but you don't see that they have to get these certificates and they yeah, have to get the all these things behind it, you know, and that can be stressful when you're running a business. I know that we've looked into like registering the name and everything. And we're like, all right, this is a little bit too much. Like, we'll, we'll get back to that later. Um, <laughs> it, it is a complicated process. And, our, you know, our goal is to be able to simplify their lives as much as possible. And, you know, we aim to, to accomplish that. So so that's my goal. My goal is to let's make government simple, approachable, attainable uh, to the general public. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to move on to the next question. And you spoke earlier a little bit about creating change in the community. Um, so what are some of the plans that you have to help the homeless uh, in the city of Lawrence? You know, I, I've noticed 
The population I've, is growing. The the homeless, you know, it, the population is growing. I left Lawrence for a few years, and then I came back. And when I came back, I was shocked to see what was going on here. Like, you know, on the corner of Broadway and Canal Street, like, they're just there all day long. And I, I always think to myself, I'm like, it is cold. Like, you're really just out here just yeah. freezing. Um, so, like, what can be done? Like, how can we create this change to help these people? Yeah. So I think that in order to understand homelessness, we have to go into the root cause. So why are people homeless? Mm -hmm. um, you know, oftentimes we think that it's only because of drugs. And I think that we have to start looking beyond that. Right. There's domestic abuse. Mental there's health. Mental health. Mm -hmm. It's one of the you know, critical things that we, uh, especially in a community like ours, it's a taboo. We don't talk about, hey, you don't talk about this. And that's how uh, we created this podcast, yeah. to so, have those conversations. So, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. Uh, so I feel that in order to be able to address homelessness, it cannot only be at a city level. It has to be a comprehensive approach among the different institutions that play a role in this. Um, so the city has to you know, play a role. But so do mental health institutions. So do, um, you know, local nonprofits that address their needs. Um, and all of us have to really come together at the table to talk about it and create uh, solutions for this. Um, one thing I did in my first couple of weeks, I think maybe my third week in office as mayor, um, I toured one of the homelessness shel homeless shelters in the city of Lawrence. There's needs there. Yeah, mm -hmm. where is that? This is the Daybreak Shelter on Winter Street. Okay. Um, that's off um, Exit Street. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so when I went there, you know, I, I was able to have a much better understanding of what the struggle is. Uh, but as I mentioned, this is something that that shelter in, by itself won't be able to address. The Correct. city by itself will not be able to address. Uh, but something that we are doing today, you know, thanks to the support of Congresswoman Laurie Trahan, uh, we have received close to a million dollars in financial support to ensure that we can support individuals to pay their rent. So right now in the city of Lawrence, we have, um, you know, some, some financial assistance. So anyone that is struggling, and if anyone that's listening is struggling to be able to pay their rent on time, uh, we can give you up to um, $3,600. $6,000. Up to, to $6,000 for up to three months. That's okay. Up to three months. I apologize about that. So, she had to come. <laughs> she was like, calm down. <laughs> Don't give them that price. Up, up to $6,000 for three months, um, which is, you know, it's definitely not the answer. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but it know, helps. It's, it's help. Now, if you are facing, potentially facing eviction, uh, we also have uh, support available for you via the Northeast Legal Aid. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have, you know, contacted, contracted with them, uh, and we can provide, um, you know, uh, legal assistance for anyone that is uh, potentially facing an eviction. Uh, so feel free to reach out to our office. We'll connect you with the right uh, people if you're struggling to, uh, you know, pay your rent on time or struggling, you know, in, in terms of facing an eviction. Uh, we're mm -hmm. here to support. So, like, when we talk about... You know, the homeless, uh, you know, I really just want to get into how can we get on the streets and really help those who are already affected right now? You know, because we're talking about like the assistance for the, those who need it right now. But how can we really get out there and help these people? We know that they have mental health issues. We know that they're dealing with drugs. And I know that everyone writes the homeless off automatic, like mm. nothing we can do. We're trying our best. But 
what can we really do to fix this? Because I think it's critical right now. I think that kids are seeing this and kids are literally looking at them like, you know, it's looking a little crazy out here in these streets. And when I was growing up here, I don't know about if you can speak about you, but I never really saw things like that. And I was homeless at one point and I had to turn things around. But like I had the ability mentally to understand that if I wanted to do better, I had to get going on what I needed to work on. But how can we get in there with them? I think there was like a, a homeless city under the bridge or something like that. And that was shut down. And I think that's what kind of exploded this like homeless people everywhere. So, you know, like an idea that I had was like that church that's been abandoned. I think my whole life that I've lived in Lawrence on um, Haverhill Street and Bradford Street like the homeless are already sleeping outside. Like what if we, you know, invest money into that church and make it a huge homeless shelter to just help out a little bit or make it a homeless center for Lawrence where anybody can go who's having a hard time, make it the food pantry at the same time. I mean, I'm I'm speaking from a dreamer perspective. I don't know the paperwork, the logistics, (laughs) but I'm like, let me throw this idea in there. Maybe, you know, something will happen there. Well, I'm going to tell you, I think that that's how we actually come to find solutions in the city. I'm always open to listening to ideas. That's how we got the DVA process done and we're able to get 4.1 million for um, small businesses here. So don't ever feel that an idea that you have is not um, sufficient or, you know, we have to, I, I'm open to listening to all of them. One thing that I can tell you is that when I uh, became mayor, I had a conversation, you know, I, I meet regularly with all the department heads in the city, and I asked them that we need to have a more proactive approach, uh, not only to homelessness, but also other issues that we, that, that we face uh, as a city. Um, and what we're doing is that we're literally coming out to them and speaking to these folks, uh, you know, and identifying needs that we have. Uh, that's prior to my arrival, uh, arrival um, two homeless shelters, uh, temporary homeless shelters were opened, um, you know, specifically for, you know, COVID matters. Mm. And, and those are still available uh, for people. So we, we will continue to do outreach to ensure that we, uh, you know, identify the needs um, and, and help them as much as we possibly can. Because uh, it, it's important that we, that we understand that they're, you know, they're not here by themselves. And you said that it's important to open up, right? So at some point, I was considered homeless temporarily mm-hmm. very sh- for a very short period of time. I had a fire in my house. Mm. And as a result of that fire, I didn't have a place to go. Yeah. You know, so homelessness is caused by so many different things. And so I completely understand uh, that there, uh, this is something that needs to be tackled on, but it, ha- it's, it has to be a collaborative effort yeah. uh, from course. the city, from residents, from nonprofits, institutions, religious institutions, uh, all of us uh, as one. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so next on the question list that I have is, what steps can be taken to help implement more financial learning methods for our community members, more importantly, our youth? Definitely. So something, you know, I, I, we, we briefly spoke about this and I think that it's important that we empower uh, our community when it comes to finan- financial literacy. Uh, my sister, she's an accountant, fantastic. So I, I, I was able to gain, you know, valuable nuggets from her. But I don't think that everyone has accessibility to this. Right. And I think that it is the responsibility of our school system to ensure that our kids are taught early on 
you know, not only math and science, but also, you know, finances and economics and the value behind it and why yeah, you let's should. bring back home egg that why not where did that go yeah. <laughs> so well, i know that with like in high schools i think the only thing i remember ever having to have like my mom participate in um was you know financial aid night yeah. that was like the only time that something was offered and like trying to understand um the logistics behind you know applying to college and what you know parent plus loans versus all these other um all these other aspects and i think that i mean I, i've i've been out of high school it's gonna be 10 years now uh this year crazy to think about but that was the only tangible time that i can remember sitting with my mom people were presenting they had um both english and spanish speakers but I also remember some of my classmates being there by themselves mm -hmm. because their parents couldn't make it because they was they were working and they they didn't offer another time. So, like, how do we like want parents have them learn, get them engaged, and like offer more resources and different time slots um, to be able to um, incorporate that so that way it's not only just a head of the household that understands finances, but then it's able to it's a, a ripple effect. So it's like a droplet in the water. So then it'll ripple out to everybody else so that the kids can see it. Again, I know you spoke about um, the aid that there is right now with uh, everybody being affected by COVID and things like that in terms of paying um, any of their bills. But it's like how many of those people, had they spent their money properly, would be in a better position right now given the pandemic? And, and, I, and I agree. You know, this pandemic has brought to light all the inequalities that exist mm -hmm. it's something that we've always known about mm -hmm. but i think that the pandemic has put it like in your face you know right. kind of thing um not only for us here in the city of lawrence but you know worldwide worldwide yeah um we know inequalities are there but we ourselves we stay quiet we don't want to talk about it right it's like oh it's not my problem so as a result of it uh, i shouldn't address it um and i think that's why it's important that we empower people uh, in terms of finances, not only providing them with financial support, but also uh, capacity building uh, to ensure that they understand the value behind money. Uh, and, you know, budgeting is critical mm -hmm. in anything and everything you do. A lot of our folks, yeah, they live paycheck to paycheck, but we also don't teach them how to budget properly. So I think that it's important that we go to the basics um, to ensure that they can have, uh, that they can be successful financially. Um, and, and there, there are programs available in the city. Uh, something that I'm doing is that I, I will be providing financial support to nonprofit organizations in addition to small business. And, you know, any nonprofit that comes before us and says that they are looking uh, to provide this type of, you know, uh, capacity training in, in terms of the finan financial support to our residents, uh, I am very open to supporting them. Uh, to ensure that they can do that type of service. So if, if you are a, a nonprofit organization in the city, you know, we have some funding available right now. If your commitment is to provide financial literacy to our community, um, I'm very open to providing support to you because I know that it will, it will add value uh, to all of our residents. I know there's a lot of uh, programs. My bad. I know there's a lot of programs uh, that Lawrence Community Works offers. Um, I think a big thing that, that we lack in the city is advertisement for these types of programs. You know, I feel like we see these billboards for big companies and stuff like that. But, you know, I think my number one thing has always been, why is there not a billboard like showing us, hey, go here if you want this or go here if you want that? Like, so maybe we 
I think have to change our approach when we're going with which audience we're catering towards, you know, because. And I completely agree with you. That's why in my office, uh, I brought in a communications director. Uh, it's a position that we never had before because I think that, you know, communication empowers all of us. Right? Correct. Uh, so this the, the primary role of this person is to ensure that all everything that is happening in the city that is positive for the city uh, in terms of programming and, you know, resources, uh, we need to. I, you know, get people informed about it. Because a lot uh, of people still don't know about Lawrence Community Works, and you're like, yep. they've been around for, yeah. like, over, th I think, over 30 years. years. Oh, yeah. 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 That's sad for me. I'm an employee there, and I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah. So, so that's why, that's why we, we have that director, you know, the communications director. Valley Works. It's, Valley Works does a lot of work lot as of well. Work. They've helped me out a lot with finding work and mm -hmm. going to school and stuff. As a matter of fact, I, I participated in, in one of the IDA programs uh, for, from Lawrence Community Works, and that's how I was able to purchase my first home at awesome. the age of 23. So, you know, they guided me in the right direction in terms of my finances. Because um, I, you know, even though I, I learned a lot from my sister, that wasn't sufficient. Um, you know, but Lawrence Community Work was one of those organizations that helped me uh, via, I don't know if they're still doing the IDAs. I think they still, they still offer a for, program. Is, you don't know what he stands for? No? I just teach dance there. Okay. So, I, so <laughs> IDA is like, a, it's a financial coaching program that they have. Um, so I encourage people to go through it if he, if the, if he still exists. I'm not sure. If yeah, they definitely still have a lot of programs, English and Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they definitely do help out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned that you had a communications director. Um, what, are, what is your office doing about, you know, catering to a social media savvy world? What does that look like? I know I've seen flyers for certain things. Um, I follow, we follow certain groups um, or accounts in the city of Lawrence. Um, and I, whenever I look at the flyers, I feel like they're too wordy, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that, you know, less is more for the, this generation right now. It's like, it needs to get quick to the point. And if it's like flashy, then it'll get their attention. Um, what if at any, like what types of, um, I don't know, plans do you have to maybe cater to that population that is more social media friendly, um, in order to possibly engage more people to want to know what's going on. Cause you know, I think a few places like El Tayet have like a section where you can put business cards and flyers and things like that. But mm. it's like how many people are actually like grabbing it? You know, like it's not early 2000s. Everything's sent out digitally. So what does that look like in the office now, if at any point? So that, that's exactly why we brought this person in oh, okay. uh, to be able to ensure that we we have a, a system in place uh, to be able to communicate with, you know, the younger population, but also with, you know, people in their 40s and 50s mm -hmm. and the elderly um, and we I think that we so far I feel like we're uh, making strides to improve uh, tremendously uh, and I am proud of the work that she's doing we opened our own the, the office of the mayor never had uh, social media pages mm -hmm. uh, so so we started to open all of our own social media pages from the office of the mayor so instead of being Kendris Vasquez posts posts Mm -hmm. They're coming officially from, you know, our accounts, which is Office of the Mayor Lawrence Mass. And you're going to find that all throughout, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we even have TikTok. 
Um, hey, the, I'm, I'm trying to see you get down so with the dancing. I know. I, 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 <laughs> okay. That, that, I mean, yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna have to work on my dance moves. You know, I try. I'm, I'm gonna try. Okay, I'll make an effort. There. But you know, like we are, we are in in the different social media platforms. But you know, let, let's not not only social media. Let's also think about um, other efforts that we're doing. We're talking. We're in the middle of COVID, so we have this uh, vaccination effort in place. Uh, and one thing is that when this started, we have to think about our elderly community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In order to be able to register for the vaccine, you had to go online. The majority of these folks of the age of 75, when it started, they have no access to a computer. They they don't know how to navigate the portal. They still have the phone on the, the wall. That's right. And you know what we with did? With the cord, with the lo- extra long cord. The extra oh, long cord. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, yeah. There were yeah, the, the, oh my god. Yeah. So what what did we do? We said we have let, in order to be able to move forward, let's think backwards. So we did, we, we started a call center, the first call center in the state to register That's people right. for the vaccine. And, yeah. you know, I knock on wood here at this table. Um, our system has not crashed, not even once when the state system has crashed multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that I am very proud of, and people answer live. Like, it's a live call. You're speaking to an individual. You, you talk to a person. Uh, you speak to them in Spanish or English. So so we are looking for ways to be able to communicate via social media platforms that is official accounts, not individual uh, employees, uh, where, where li- we distributed thousands of flyers. Another way that I, that I can tell you how we communicate with people is that when we had that huge snowstorm, uh, maybe like three, four weeks ago, I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember, um, I knew that it was going to be, be challenging for us to be able to plow and, and do things differently. So we distributed thousands of flyers in people's cars in the mostly dense uh, neighborhoods in the city, uh, the Arlington neighborhood, you know, the, yeah. the, the Companion mm-hmm. Common area, uh, some sections of South Lawrence, uh, and the reason we did this is was to inform them, hey, please make sure that you park properly when the snow comes. Because if you do not, we're going to ticket you and we are going to tow your vehicle. And yes, I am, uh, as mayor, I want to be strong and firm in placing order. But in order to do that, I feel that I have to empower you first with communication and letting you know what's going to happen. You guys do automated calls? We do automated calls, reverse calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have something called Code Red. Uh, it's a system that we can use. Uh, you could. Uh, you, I'm gonna you, need you to use that system when this episode drops, so yeah. everyone knows. Tune <laughs> in. Yeah. So I, yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the, the the name for that program, yeah, Code Red. It sounds very oof, scary, yeah. but it's not. It's, you, know, you know, you could get a reverse reverse call in in formal in the form of a recorded message. Uh, you could also get text messages uh, from the city in case of an emergency. In addition to that, if you go to our city website, uh, you could sign up for alerts um, in, in projects that we're working on. Like I could tell you folks from Museum Square, we started the, the reconstruction of the Museum Square garage, and we had a town hall. This is something that I've been doing frequently, like I'm doing town halls almost every week, I think, right? um, you know, to communicate with residents on different, uh, with different needs. And when we did this for uh, Museum Square, it's very cool because now you could go in Sign up for alerts, and you will get either an SMM, uh, uh, text message, mm-hmm. or an email, depending on your preference, about anything that is happening in, in particular to that project. You could do that for one project, or you could do it for all in the mm-hmm. city. Uh, and, and I think that that's fabulous, because it's different modes of communication. 
uh, you know, and, and we're trying to use all the avenues that exist today to get the message across to people. And yeah, if we have to, so. if we have to continue distributing flyers, we'll do that. But we don't want to do just flyers. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do just Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We want to do everything that is available to get the message out. That's dope. I think that's important too. What you said earlier, you know, you do want to be firm, but you do want to give people the opportunity to make the decision. I think when there's snow days and stuff, you know, some people, I know I just started driving. I never think about, oh, what side of the street I have to park on, but you know, I have a driveway, so we good. But <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you something else that, we, that we've done, which is not public yet, so hopefully we can share it by the end of this week, is this map. Have you seen the map yet? No, not I seen Okay, so we created this map, which is fantastic. I'm a map guy. I love maps, and I love flags. So, yeah, all, like, it, 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 if you go to my house, there's multiple maps, multiple flags. I like it. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Anyways, uh, that's off topic there. No, it's okay. <laughs> Let's get back in track. No, the, 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 we got to this so the map. map. The map. So we created this map in which you could enter your address and it will tell you whether or not you can park overnight for Jeez. the snow, that simple. Uh, the winter parking ban. Uh, it's extremely simple. All you do is literally enter your address and it will highlight red, green, you know, you can or cannot. Yeah, I think that's very amazing. simple. I think we need. Does more. it show you like what it shows areas? You, so like, wide. if there was like a huge parking lot, you can go park there. It, or? It, it's in purple. Yeah, so oh, we okay, yeah, okay. it's color coded. Mm. It's light purple. Um, so so if if we have open lots, um, you could go and you will identify it within the map. Uh, so you you will know where it is, uh, and that should be coming live. Hopefully, people won't really have to use it for this winter because I don't really I don't want to have another big snowstorm um, but yeah, in case either. we do get Hopefully it the system out. is there and whether i remain or i don't remain as mayor so let's say if i remain mayor i i am committed to ensuring that we continue to use it for future storms uh, but if i'm not you know hopefully that's a tool that we already created and new administration that the new administration could use uh you know so so we're leaving something behind that will be valuable uh, to our community that's amazing um so i just have like two more questions um, I wanted to move on to uh, the cleanliness of our city, of our environment. What do you think citizens of Lawrence can do better to help uh, keep our environment clean and efficient? You know, we look around these streets and there's so many alleys that are still dirty. Obviously, this is not, well, I, I can't blame it on, you know, your office because I feel like it's, it should be your responsibility as a human to want to keep your grounds clean, to want to keep your environment safe. But what can we do to kind of like aid and, and help out with that? So I'm going to say something that my grandmother always taught me. And this is that being poor is not a synonym of being dirty. <laughs> right. So no. given that oh, we're you coming over here with jams. So so the thing is that, you know, she always taught me that. Well, she always kept saying. Hey, we live in the poorest house, you know, we are, but you could eat on our floor because it's so clean. clean yeah. uh, and you have to have pride in your community. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that this is a collective effort among all community members, all stakeholders, all of us are, uh, to clean the city of Lawrence. But one thing that on my end I am doing is that I will be presenting before the city council a, an ordinance, um, you know, that will be very detailed to do daily, well, not daily, we will be street sweeping every day 
once a week in your neighborhood. Good. So the street sweepers will be out daily, but once a week will come to your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one way of, of us saying, hey, the city is committed. But now you as a resident, you also have to be committed to play this part. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we have recycling bins. I, I've driven by many streets that uh, folks are not recycling. And their trash barrels are wolf. Or they are they recycling and they're not recycling correctly. Not recycling correctly. So that's why we are going to have a very strong educational campaign, which um, I know, you, you know, uh, my communications director. You mm-hmm. said earlier, you said I cannot mention names, right? Uh, it's up to you. Oh, up to me. So Sabrina Bojo. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm so proud of Sabrina. <laughs> why not mention her name? Yeah, if I'm proud of uh, the work that she'll be doing. So she's going to be working on a very strong uh, educational campaign to address recycling in the city. Because um, I think it's necessary. Uh, so so I, I'm looking forward to what she's going to come up with. Um, if you guys know Sabrina, she is, I don't, how do I describe her? She's just fantastic, you know? Awesome. So, so she's going to be working in some, some very cool arts and graphic to get the message out. But it takes all of us to yeah. clean the city, not exactly. just uh, the municipality. Right. How, how do people, how can people get recycling bins and garbage bins? Because I know that, you know, the law went in that it, was, it had to be a specific garbage bin or it had to be a specific recycling bin. And then, like, one was assigned to each household. So, so each person, each, ho- each apartment gets a trash barrel. Recycling bins, you could get as many as you need, as many as you want to use, you can. But you could also use stickers. You don't have to use an actual recycling bin. Mm, that's what so we if, have, yeah. So if you have a, you, you could come to our DPW department, which is in the second floor in City Hall. Um, and if you cannot go there, just call our office and we'll send it by mail to you if you ask for the sticker. Um, and you could place the sticker in any bins that you have at home. And, you know, we'll take it. So recycling is very uh, easy to do with any bins. Now for trash, you have to use the trash barrel with the lid. Uh, so that, I think that's what you were referring yeah, to. Yeah, the ones with the lid. If, if, if a person needs an extra barrel, they can actually purchase it. I, I don't want to say how much it costs because I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's roughly $100. And you could, you could purchase the, uh, the extra barrel for your home. Um, and you could add extra trash there. Also, there's green bags that you could purchase. Um, so if you, if, you, if you have an overflow, there's overflow green bags that you could use. Yeah. Perfect. I think that's a lot of information that a lot of people need to lock into. Um, I think that we need more people to be keeping up with their trash and their recycling because... It's insane. It's insane how you can have property and just not care how the front of your house looks with all that trash. Right. But it's also understanding that, you know, like I've seen, you know, I used to work in an after school program and my kids would eat like a popsicle and just like throw it. And I'm like, hold on, where did we learn this? Like, what is that? Um, So, I mean, it takes a village. It really does take a village. You can't expect change overnight if you're not willing to help put forth the effort in order to help see the efforts of those above us that have the authority to make change you're not willing to see that through then you really can't complain and and that's why i'm committing to presenting this ordinance to the city council and i am almost certain that they will be supportive of it and i'm telling the community members hey we want to do street sweeping but 
is that doesn't mean that throw more garbage on the street. What I'm saying is I am committing to doing the streets. Now you do your, you know, do your, your, your yard, do your yeah. part. Like don't throw things in the ground. Let's all collaborate. I'm making a commitment that is a big commitment for the city, but I also need you to be committed to at least doing your, your little section of, you know, your house uh, mm-hmm. and cleaning it and beautifying it, you know, planting nice flowers so the city could be more vibrant, more colorful. Uh, it takes all of us to do it. Be mm-hmm. proud of your, your neighborhood. Be proud of your mm-hmm. home, uh, especially for homeowners. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. This is your city. This is your home. Let's beautify it. Perfect. That's awesome. Um, all right. So uh, that question I have for you is if there was one thing that you can change right now without politics being involved, anything like that, what would it be? I think it's communication. It's something that I've been already doing, mm-hmm. uh, changing, making myself accessible as a city uh, mayor. Um, I think that we need to get people, listen to people's concerns. Uh, and by doing that, we can make significant changes. Uh, I've opened my doors. We have o- o- um, office hours every Friday. Uh, for residents, all they have to do is call mm-hmm. ahead of time. We'll assign a, uh, you know, a time for them to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by doing that, we are making significant changes. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. I am one mayor. We have nine city councilors. So that's essentially ten elected officials that have um, you know, very significant power in, in making decisions for the city. However, we're only ten people. The city of Lawrence, according to the census, we're like you know, 76,000 according yeah. to the last census. Let's see what the new numbers are. But mm-hmm. I honestly think we're close to 100,000. There's 100,000 of you, roughly. There's 10 of us, only one, of, one mayor. Mm-hmm. So I have no time, you know, ho- humanly speaking, I don't have the time to drive by every street, okay. to identify every pothole, to okay. know where every trash is. I do not. Mm-hmm. Now, if you help me out, we can improve. Let it, me give you a heads up. West it, Street... <laughs> they need to pave that street. So we we will definitely. T- is that there's what there's a theory? Yeah. I I grew up on West Street, but there's a theory that they don't want to pave it because they don't want drag racers to go up and down the street. Well, I I think that our community <laughs> can do better. So this is an urban legend. About, this is so urban West legend. Street. Uh, very interesting. I, I'll show you. Well, unfortunately, people won't be able to see it. Just hear what I have to say. But I just got an email uh, earlier today, uh, or yesterday actually, as a matter of fact. Uh, I saw it this morning. Um, on West Street, so this is what it looked like right off Hubbard Place, which is right off um, West. So if you look at the top picture, there was a lot of um, unregistered vehicles there. Okay. So if you look, oh, okay. if you scroll down, we removed about 10 to 12 unregistered vehicles that were parked right I off know where that is, uh, West Street. And, and why did we do that? Because people were conducting on, you know, illegal activities there. Yeah. So we need to clean up the place. And that's what we're going to continue to do. But, yeah, it's a collective effort. People are, I have open office hours. I want to hear the concerns of the city to be able to address them. It's important, uh, too, and I think that in our, in our community, there's a lot of lack in people speaking up about things because yeah. either, one, they don't know where to turn to, or, two, they think because they brought it up to you and if it didn't fall through that you now don't care. Yeah. No, and, and something that I want people to understand is that we might not be able to actually resolve all the problems because a lot of things that come to my office... There is no perfect city, though. Yeah, and, and, they, and I cannot solve them. <laughs> like, they're not... Some, some instances, they're not even a city issue. They it's are, a state. Yeah, it, it, it goes beyond just local government. Um, but I feel that if we start the conversation with those um, you know, higher-ups, we could get somewhere. 
Um, but the dialogue has to start, and I want residents to feel comfortable coming to us. We have open office hours on Fridays. Don't be shy, guys. The, you know, I'm I'm a cool mayor. You know, I'm young. I'm hip. I'm <laughs> oh yeah. I just don't yeah, dance. He's doing he's TikTok yeah. dances. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. But this is our uh, this is our time to be able to make significant changes, and I think we can do it together. Um, you know, I, I I just cannot do it by myself. I need all of you Perfect. guys to be supportive and. Uh, this is this is an opportunity to improve the city. Um, this is a, so a great opportunity to get into a lot of young people's ears and really get them to understand that the change really starts with you, it, with you all know. of us, with, yeah. with with them. So some uh, we didn't talk about this human rights, right? Yeah. So we talk. So let, let's bring up uh, something that I did to ensure that people have voices in the city is that I reinstated the Human Rights Commission. In, in Lawrence. This is a commission that had not met in years. And, you know, I, I felt that the representation of it to talk about, you know, uh, showing that every, everyone's voices is heard, it's very fantastic. It's like, you know, we have attorneys here, we have business owners, we have young people, you have the LGBTQ community represented, you have the religious communities represented. Um, you know, the, excuse me, you forgot some letters. Uh, cute. Uh, cute. <laughs> Just kidding. QIA plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plus, yeah. Um, what else we talk about? It, it's it's when when we think of the representation of it, it almost I'm not gonna say that it mirrors the city hundred percent, but it almost mirrors our community, like our population. And I think that's what we needed. Exactly. Um, you know, a, a board that is representative or as representative as it could be of right. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm proud of that. We did that in our third, fourth week mm -hmm. in government. It's very significant. Uh, we, re we started meeting with a school committee. Uh, it's something that had not happened in, in, I don't know how familiar you guys are with where we stand with the school committee, but we didn't have meetings with them prior. And we started that conversation. I think that it's important that we empower our school committee members to, you know, direct a dialogue in, in decision-making for the, the school department. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it, it, it leads to good things. I, right. I, I think speaking of the human rights, this is a great segue into our last and final question for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Earlier you had mentioned, you know, talking about the pandemic and how people came to the realization in terms of financial literacy and things like that. But um, our community has definitely come to the realization that policing is not the answer to resolve a lot of the crimes mm -hmm. and, you know, the increased public safety, how, if at all, what that conversation looks like, how do you plan on changing policing in Lawrence and what services will you add or expand um, or even explore to change policing, if at all? And like, what services do you think are the most needed right now? Definitely. So, so I, uh, something that is important to highlight is that the city's, city of Lawrence has the most diverse um, police department. It's actually a majority-minority uh, police department. Mm. Uh, so its representation is uh, it's very similar to what the city looks like. Um, a lot of the newer police department, the newer police officers, they are folks that live in our neighborhoods. Mm. A um, lot of them I went to high school with. A lot of them went, you went to high school mm -hmm. with. So, th so they are our peers. You know, these are folks that understand our community needs. Uh, and that's something unlike, you know, what's happening nationally. Uh, I think that the city of Lawrence, it's in a very unique position because of that. Because a lot of these officers, they understand who we are mm -hmm. as a community. Uh, and, you know, the, the, you know, people of color 
are the majority within the department. Uh, so, so I think that we have been, we have been able to set an example to other departments that is doable. Um, something that I feel very proud of is that we have something called the Milo program. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what this is. Mm -mm. So it's a de-escalation training uh, program for police officers. It's the only city in this whole region that has it. And we are asking all of our officers to participate in this training. Um, I had the opportunity to participate, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks back. Is this uh, mandatory or optional to the officers? So right now it's an optional program. Okay. Uh, at this point it's optional. So um, when I had talked about it, when I did the training myself, it was a couple of weeks back, about 30% of the force has already had already done it. And we've had it for like two months now mm -hmm. or three months, maybe two Maybe two to three months. And I must have done this training, I don't remember, but maybe like four or five weeks ago. And by that time, almost 30% of the force had already gone through the training. Are and there any measures, sorry, are there any measures being taken to um, measure the success of it? I know it's fairly new, yeah. um, but do we know what that looks like right now? So I, when I did the training myself, I didn't have metrics at that time. I okay. don't know if that's something that I can get from uh, the police chief mm -hmm. uh, but that's something interesting that i could look into okay. uh okay. i don't I, I don't have the data to mm. share is there any uh you know are there any steps in process to make this a mandatory training as opposed to an optional i think for police officers this should be a mandatory you know especially with the way things are happening right now you know maybe we can see a higher well definitely we'll have we'll see a higher amount of people that are trained with the with what that's yeah. teaching. So, so I, I definitely think that a lot of our officers are actually looking forward to participating. Um, keeping in mind that when I did it, it must have been like a month old or so. Mm -hmm. um, and almost 33%, almost 30, 33% of the uh, department had already participated. So they are participating in a, so you have to, to keep in mind the scheduling of it. So they're doing it when they're scheduled to do work, when it's not, you know, an emergency situation, they will come in and then they, uh, they can only do, uh, you know, an X number of officers. I think it's four officers at a time okay. because of the, the COVID, social distancing. social distancing and whatnot. So it, it could take a little while to go through all of the officers. But I feel that the majority of them, if I'm not mistaken all, um, have said that they want to do it. So if we see something that translates to something different and mm -hmm. they don't do it, then I'll enforce it, uh, that it will be a mandatory training. Uh, but I think that at this point, how the conversation have gone, it seems like everyone's going to do it voluntarily, uh, which is something exciting, uh, you know, for our police department, for our community to understand that our police department I is looking forward to participating in these trainings. And that's great. Um, I also want to, you know, I want you to dive a little bit more deeper into it where we're not looking at policing anymore as just the ultimate uh, end-all, be-all. You know, if there's mm -hmm. crime, if there's this, and, you know, we spoke earlier about the homeless and the mental health uh, what are what are the steps that are being taken to kind of expand those, um, you know, those services. opportunities, those services so that we can have the right people responding to the correct things? You know, if someone's having a mental breakdown and, you know, this person's going crazy, do you know, do I need to call a police officer for this person or should I call the police officer and they bring, you know, a mental health advocate with them so that somebody can facilitate that conversation and it's not an automatic threat? 
you know, and they're shot and they're killed because they had a mental breakdown, as we've seen many times throughout our country. And I think that this is fabulous that we're talking about this, because when I went through the training myself, through the training myself, um, part of the de-escalation is that uh, there was a person that was having a mental challenge, you know, mental breakdown. And the officer, in this case, I'm not a, I'm not a police officer, right? But I had to work with the officers and they would doing de-escalation and I was seeing it myself there and it's a live interaction it's like you know you have a screen you have a uh, you're communicating with that person mm -hmm. uh, so it's very real uh, scenarios that are presented and you know he allowed the officers to make the best decisions whether you know hey do I arrest this person do I call someone you know for help that is not an officer uh, so, so he led to a very different vibe and what's best about this is that you could change the dialogue immediately from the screen. So there's another person that's behind the scenes and they're controlling the dialogue. So depending on the reaction of the officer, they could change the reaction of the, uh, of the I don't know what to call that. The reaction of, of the way they're, in, they're responding. So like let's, the, assume, let's assume I'm the officer, right? And you're in front of me in the screen. So I'm gonna kill myself. Yes, so, <laughs> so depending on my, my way of de-escalating, yeah. uh, I forgot your name. Nina. Nina, Nina <laughs> could change your behavior in essence to see how I reacted. Oh, so it's a constant, you have to try to find another way. Yes. It can so get worse, it can get it better. It can get worse, better, be... depending on how the officer reacts. And I love that because it's giving you very realistic scenarios. Uh, and what's best about it also is that you could project it in being like in, on, on Lawrence Street, like a situation happening on Lawrence Street, something that is happening on Broadway. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's actually showing real streets in, in, in our city. Uh, you're not just seeing something like a training out in, in Texas mm -hmm. that doesn't relate to our people. Like you're seeing people off Lawrence that, that look like us, that you know, talk like us, that are going into a bodega and something that is happening inside the bodega, very local. So it's a very local, specific training. And it's the only city that has this. And I'm open and willing to share with other mayors in the surrounding towns. I know uh, that this is our program, but I'm open to sharing it with um, other mayors, you know, to share with their police department, because I strongly believe in escalation tactics uh, for this type of situations. Mm. So, so I'm, ex I'm really excited to see the outcome of this. And if I have, you know, if I, get, if I can get some data, I'll gladly share with you guys. Be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think that's everything that we had on the list. Um, and something I'm, okay, you wanna so in, in policing, again, let's go back. <laughs> so we're doing a lot of community policing. We have um, business liaisons that are uh, part of the force. Um, you know, so these are folks that are going out into the community, you know, talking to our residents, ensuring that people understand that we're in this together. Uh, so, and I hope COVID wouldn't exist. Uh, I think we all do, but <laughs> I already spoke to the chief to see if we could get, you know, residents to also be part of this uh, Milo training um, at some point, because I think that it's important for community members to see what... And to be able to recognize what a mental health breakdown looks like, That's and correct. they're not just writing it off as we happen to do in our community a lot, yeah. where it's like, hey, it's a muchacho loco, they have So I want, I, want, <laughs> I want to be able to open this to, you know, community members uh, mm -hmm. to be able to participate in that training. Because it, it, it opened my eye, it, it, made, it made me look at things very differently once I participated in it. You know, yeah. seeing an individual you know, in a hospital you know, with 
So the, the video, the way it was, when, well, not the video, but the, the interaction, because it's an interactive mm -hmm. uh, training. He pulled a knife. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, <laughs> I knew he wasn't going to do anything to me because it's a screen, but it was interactive. So, you know, and it changed. Like, the, the, depending on how the officer that was next to me was responding, the actor was doing something different. Mm -hmm. So it, it, so it kind of keeps, it's almost li it's it like, a, like a life interaction. Yeah. It's almost like a life interaction. Yeah, because you just, you never know what could be triggering. Yeah. So it's like, you know, real life scenarios. And again, and you never know what life's going to throw at you. Yeah. So. so so I really hope that community members who participate, um, you know, seeing the trends, I think we might be, I, I might be able to open it uh, to community members. That's like awesome. That. So if you guys want to participate at some point. Okay, yeah. I'm down. So let's do it. <laughs> Alrighty, so we're going to wrap this conversation up. I want to thank you again for coming out and, uh, you know, doing this interview. It's really important for our listeners to be able to hear directly from you, to get a little bit more familiar with you. I have faith in you, but I, I have faith in, you know, younger people doing things that, you know, old people were doing in the, in the past and they just weren't getting shit done. You know, and I want to see more of that. I, and I see a lot of changes happening. And I hear you talking and I hear you with all these great ideas. I have faith that you'll deliver them in the next 11 months. And, you know, from there, what you decide to do is what you decide to do. But I think this was a great interview. I thank you again for coming out, both of you. It's cold today, but y'all made it. And, um, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. And I think that, you know, when I pose the question of what social media looks like, how do we get to the younger generation? I think that the fact that you agreed to get on a podcast, you know, we have anywhere between 80 to 100 people that will tune into an episode, people that might not know what's going on in the city right now. So we, we thank you for affording us the opportunity to um, shed some light on what, what's happening right now in the office. No, so I, I, I think it's, it's important. And. Once again, my office is open. You know, anyone that's listening out there, we want to hear from you. I think that in order to make changes, uh, I need to hear from people. Yeah, I can have ideas, but at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be just my ideas that come to fruition. It, it, you know, todito. Todito, mm. todito, todito, todito. Podemos. Todito. Todito. Yeah. Hey. Let's make a song out of it. Let's make a TikTok dance. All right. Todito. We're going to wrap this up because it's escalating right now. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll see you in the next section. That was Caldero Talk. A reposar. Ooh, that was such a good Caldero Talk. That was Yo, a great... My brain hurts. Right. I am tired. That was a conversation Okay, so this is the last part of the show, Reposal. Y'all already know how this goes. We about to leave you with some positive quotes. Have any shout outs if we have and close this episode out. Episode one of season four. Coming through with a with a banger. Banger. Go ahead. Anyways, um, so my affirmation is that I wholeheartedly believe what is meant for you will be for you. Um, so just because you see someone else doing something that you thought you two wanted but god closed that door for you mm -hmm. that means that it wasn't meant for you but it was meant for that person so there is another journey that you have to take um it might be long it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult but at the end of the day again i cannot stress this enough mi gente 
what is meant for you will be for you. That is in romantic relationships, that is in uh, professional life, that is in personal anything, life, anything. all aspects. Um, I think the only thing that we really are in control of is a fitness journey, honestly. <laughs> well, there's other things we're in control. <laughs> we're in control of a lot of things, but like in terms of like what's meant for you, imagine being like, oh, that person's fit. I can't do that. Imagine if we said that. Oh, but that exists. Hello, fat positivity movement. Oh, sh- shade. Sorry. My bad. Um, so <laughs> what's meant for you will be for you. <laughs> Mine is become a priority in your life. I think uh, for a long time, I was not practicing that. I played the backseat with a lot of things. And it's crazy what losing a little bit of weight will make a nigga feel like. Okay. <laughs> but let me tell you that that was my... <laughs> I hate you. That was my number one insecurity. That was the thing that had I had a lot of depression behind because, you know, coming up as a dancer and, you know, always being a little bit more on the slim Fit. side. And then just gaining, like, almost 80 pounds really just fucked me up. You know, so now I'm getting back to that. And I saw that quote and I was like, yo, facts, be a priority in your life. So that's my affirmation for the week. So, yes, let's close this out. I want to give a shout out to Kendris Vasquez for coming on. Vasquez. Vasquez. It's because my cousins are Vasquez. So I always just, that's programmed. I'm sorry about that, Kendris. Um, yes, coming on and giving us a great conversation for this Caldero Talk, the season premiere of season four. Why would you switch it up now? <sighs> it's the final season. My name is Rosales, and I got a blast. <laughs> Boy, if you don't go back to your original sign off. What do I say? And I'm blasting off. Oh, shit. My name is Rosales and I'm blasting off. And I'm Nina Montañez. Stay blessed, mi gente. Oh, Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sofrito Speaks. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Sofrito Speaks to keep up with all of our latest content.